0: People ever in the world was Elvis Tidwell and uh, so that's uh he's a he's a good one but little Elvis is what we called him <laughs> he's not little anymore I saw him the other day and he's got this big old gray beard I'm like well how old am I but uh, anyway looking tonight um, Kyle I sent you the <laughs> the title of this and then I changed, I I didn't update it on my copy, but so I don't know if you've got it in there or not. But living by faith and praying with power is uh, what I what I texted Kyle, and I meant to change that. So, but anyway, living living by faith and praying with power. I want us to be able to look back at what just kind of a review in in these uh, in the scripture that uh, the first of this outline. Not much of an outline uh, it's more it's really one point that I want to cover tonight and really all these all these notes and everything that, that I handed out kind of drive home that one point so that's why that's why you have what it is I'm, I'm glad Kyle printed that out because it's a lot of this stuff is going to be kind of technical uh, as far as the wording goes as far as uh, being able to look at this and and, and see tonight but last week we talked about a lot about faith and about what really is biblical faith well tonight I want us to be able to see how that biblical faith ties into prayer because it does it really it really does because when we pray we're told to pray in faith and that that God will do what he said that he will do but what that what does that mean? <laughs> what does it not mean? Does it does it mean that we can pray, and believe that God can get, get, God can give me a new 2023 Ford Raptor, and I can go out there and look in the parking lot, and it's going to be there? That's I mean, so that's an extreme, right? So, what really does that mean? Praying by faith. Let's look at these. At these four sections of Scripture that we've already read, except for the last one here. But I want us to be able to read these, go over these, and, and maybe discuss a little bit of it before we move on. But Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 and 22 says, Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do, what was done to the fig tree? You remember what happened to the fig tree? It, it withered. It said, um, "But even if even if you tell this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done." And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. So this, along with countless other script, you know, verses in the Bible, you can lift a verse out of the Bible and make it say whatever you want it to say. But what do we do? We read, we study God's word in the context that it was written. We we look at who it was written to and when it was written and and you know, and the and what's the context of of what's being taught here that Jesus was teaching. So he he didn't tell them. I mean, he you know, he uses this illustration, this analogy of lifting a mountain up, but he You know, I guess he could. I mean, he's got, he can do that. But that's not literally going to happen. But what he's saying is to use faith. Use faith. Um, Mark chapter 11, verse 20 through 25 says, Early in the morning as they were passing by, and this goes back to that same story, as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree wither from the roots up. And Peter remembered and said to them, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus replied to them, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your wrongdoing. <laughs> so there's another little nugget right there at the end of that. There's, there's something about forgiveness about between you and, and your fellow brother and sister. So we're, when we get maybe next week, when we get deeper into the Lord's Prayer, this is going to show up again. This, it's almost, well, it's not word for word, but it's, it's very close about forgiveness in your prayer life, Matthew chapter seven, verse seven through eleven says, "Ask, and it will be given to you; seek, and you will find; knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open." Who among you, if if this, if his son asks him for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. So we've, like I said, we've we've gone over those. Come back and look at these. Just as kind of a refresher, but John chapter fourteen, John chapter fourteen. Now t- tonight, this lesson is gonna we're we're talking about faith, but then it's gonna it's gonna really filter over into the will of God, um, and then next week is when we're gonna really talk about how prayer, how the will of God affects and and kind of connects in with. Uh, with prayer and the will of God. So, uh, but tonight, we're going to see a little bit of that tonight in some of our scripture. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do works that I do. Did that happen? Did that happen? So, I I was reading today in in my my Bible reading, and as Peter goes... uh, to, to Caesarea and, and Gentiles were being saved there. and he was and in, in everywhere that he, everywhere that John and Peter would go to, they were healing people. So they were doing exactly what Jesus said that they were going to do and uh, so it, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What's key in that, in that verse 13? Let's read that again. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What are some key points in that one verse? Huh? In my name. Asking in my name. Alright, that's, that's a good one. Huh? Who, yeah, who's he talking to? Right, that's right, exactly. Exactly, he's talking to the disciples. Again, go, go back to who is he speaking, you know, and hear who he's writing to, but, or who he's speaking to, but, you know, when you, when you look at Paul's letters, who is he writing to? You know, he's writing to his you know, church in Philippi, or he's writing to the church in Corinth. So, same thing, good. To the disciples, and glorify Christ. Glorify God, glorify the Son Jesus. So there's three things in that one verse. So when we're when we're talking about prayer, so so have you asked it in my name, Jesus? That's what he said. Have you asked it in the Son's name? What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Now when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. You ever heard anybody pray? Start their prayer out in Jesus. We pray this in your name, and we, you know, that's always at the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with either one of them. I'm just saying. So we, what we do is we get in a habit of doing things kind of the same way, and and I prayed like that because I heard Craig pray, pray like that, and and that, and I kind of learned from him because he's a smart guy, you know. And, and but so, so we 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 hear that, and 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 we almost. I don't get into this a whole lot, but we, we'll we'll throw in a few cliches in there in in a prayer, uh, and, and we'll do some things and we'll say some things that really adds up a whole lot of words in a prayer. But but here when we're talking about this, pray in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Yeah. Do you remember? Well, I remember this. Y'all may not, because I so. Brother Samuel was gone on the first first Sunday of the year, and I was excited to be able to preach. And I preached on Lazarus uh, coming coming to or not, you know, Lazarus dying and Jesus coming to the to the tomb. Martha and Mary, Martha and Mary told Jesus they she they said, "Look, if you want, you know, if you could have done, so, you can do something here, or you could have done something here. They wouldn't want him to do it now because he'd been dead four days, but." you, you, we, we could have prayed, you know, and, and because you will, you could have made it happen. So when we, when we talk about this, when we talk about praying in Jesus' name, we, we pray in his name because he is the intercessor between us and, and the father at this point. So when we pray, if we, what does that mean? Well, I just wrote the, you know, put these down here. This means that Prayer in Jesus' name is a prayer that does m- maybe four things here. And I, I've got these down in your notes there. So, number one, it, it is, is respective of Christ's character. So, when we're, when we're asking for something, Terry, does it take into effect, or does it, yeah, you know, does it take into effect Christ's character, does your prayer? So, we want this prayer to be answered, right? So, when you pray. This prayer should take the character of Christ. It's a little bit disrespectful yeah i would I would say that i I've already mentioned that God taught me into an x l t and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with people having a raptor i mean i it's just that God didn't want me to have one. <laughs> Right. You're not for exactly. <laughs> not exactly. Mhm. So, is there a need for you to have a truck? <laughs> Only if you don't have one. <laughs> and, and well, in in your line of work, and yeah. Yeah, in your line of work, uh, you know, need a truck. Dude needs a truck. But he doesn't necessarily have to have the nicest truck out there. Huh? Right. And we want it to be a God thing, a God-centered thing. And that's, that's really what this is talking about with the character. Brother Sam? Absolutely. I mean, are we testifying here? <laughs> oh, oh, me? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I really thought God wanted me to go buy a boat one Sunday, and it nearly sank and the motor blew up in it, and everything under the sun. <laughs> Look at Gina's. She's, she, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> so number two, number two, it's, it's respective of Christ's character, but number two, it seeks the will of Jesus. Now that's something else, that, that we, our prayers need to seek God's will. They need to seek God's will. Number three, Submissive to the authority of Jesus. Well, (laughs) I'll just leave that alone because we're going to come back. Submissive to the authority of Jesus. Number four, worthy of the positions and authority he holds over us. So John 15 and 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you (laughs) so we could get Stuck in those ruts for just a little while, but I'm going to move on. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. But it's all pertaining to what? If you go back, it's all of this is pertaining to the fruit. It, it's all kingdom related when, when you're talking about this. So it's all, it all should be God-centered. It all should be Christ's character. It all should be seeking the will of Jesus and, and assuming the authority of Jesus in our life. It says, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, He will give you. So this next note here says, this tells us that, that we've been chosen by God to be His witnesses throughout the world. And this also tells us that we can have confidence that He is with us, because he's the one that put us in this role. God, if God's got you in a particular role, I'll say this, if God's got you in a particular role, he's going to equip you and give you what you need for that particular role. John fifteen five through 8, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who, what does that say? remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So producing fruit has everything to do with being, staying connected with with Christ. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. In other words, you don't produce fruit. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you ask whatever you want, and, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now what is the end goal here in, in all of that? What is what is the goal that Jesus is trying to trying to trying to get over to these hard headed disciples at this point? Oh, that's right. Produce fruit. But we, that's, that's the end goal, is to produce fruit. But how we do that is we stay connected. We, we become disciples. We, 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 our life winds up looking just like this prayer that he told us to pray, which has everything to do with his character and his will and his authority. The implied statement about faith and prayer and praying and receiving is based on the abiding, on abiding in Jesus and living according to what His Word and that our our prayers are in accordance to His will. What we see here is that faith is not a tool but a mindset. Uh, Read that again. I highlighted that. It should be highlighted in your notes. Faith is not a tool, but a mindset. Now, what I I mean by that is, and I'm so glad that I didn't do this, because when when I started this study, I thought, you know, what would be really neat is for me to carry a toolbox up there, because I like visual illustrations. Me carry a toolbox and just put, I put a hammer in there, and I'll put a saw in there, and I'll put, you know, and everything that we need, I can, you know, out of this, where I can go and I can pull that out. But, None of this is a tool. Persistence in prayer is not a tool. It's not one, and we're going to get to this, and well, we might as well just move on. Because these notes is kind of what, what I wanted to talk about. The difference between a tool and a mindset is this. A tool is something we possess and use to accomplish a task. Terry, you have tools. Terry's got one of the coolest tools that I've ever seen. And maybe you've got, and, and when our water froze and, and then it burst and water was going everywhere on Christmas Eve and Terry came out and cut. he cut a hole in my, in, my, in my wall upstairs and he cut a hole in my ceiling downstairs. But he was doing all that to be able to get to where the pipe was, pipe was messed up. But he pulls out this, what's it called? The rotary saw, but it has, it just had a little blade on it. It didn't, and it little blade, like this, you know, just really, you couldn't even see it move, but you could tell because he just set it up there on that sheetrock and he just, and it just went around like that. And I thought, I told Gene, I said, I got to have one of those. So, but, but a, that's a tool. That's a tool. A tool is something we possess to, to accomplish a task. Terry was trying to cut a hole out in my wall. He did it. That's what a tool is. A tool is under our control. He, Terry, was going down through there, and we were trying to make sure that he was trying to cut in a straight line. Now, the one upstairs didn't really matter. Wasn't no big deal. And, and it, it, it was underneath our sink, and I told him, I said, just cut it. it I'm not even going to patch it up. Just, just cut it. But downstairs where you could see that ceiling. We need to cut that straight, Terry. <laughs> that needs to be straight. So, so a tool is under our control. It was under his control. Now, our use of a tool determines when the task will be accomplished and the quality of the product produced. There was a certain amount of time that I really needed Terry to get that hole cut because, I mean, we needed water and and uh, he got us. He got us set up and got water back. But it is under our our the tool that we use determines when the task will be. Meaning we. It is it is our call as to when that would. Well, if I was cutting it, Terry, it, it would have been the next day before I finished. But Terry. He knew that he could cut this out. And I said, how long is this going to take? You know, Terry's like, I have five minutes. <laughs> well, okay. But so, so it was under his... The timing of this whole thing was under his control. That's a, that's a tool. Some Christians hold a theological position which, uh, which asserts faith as it is related to prayer like it's a tool. What this means is that when we have enough faith... Or when we use our faith in the right way, our prayers will be answered according to our desires. Look at that and read that a little heavier. Because it, what, what this means is that when we have enough faith or we think we have enough faith and we can use that faith in the right way, our prayers will be answered according to our desires. So, this is not what jesus is teaching but this is what if you use faith as a tool this is what you can sometimes think it is and and, I, and i'll tell you this some some teach uh some teach a, a doctrine is that you can name it and claim it and you can you can do you can say what you know just because, because of what this right here is you see verses of scripture can be lifted out of context and tried to force to say something that they don't really say because it has nothing to do with the character of of Christ it has nothing to do with his authority and it has nothing to do with his will and our faith is strong enough our prayers will be answered when desired so in, th- in thinking of that too if well, God, if my faith, if if, and and somebody teaching you, brother Sammy, if you well, if your faith is strong enough, this will this will be done. And and we we know that that's not a correct doctrine. We we know that. But, well, good, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And how how does that make somebody feel that? i'm I'm not healed because of that he didn't he didn't and i, I you know we'll go back to uh we'll go back to and, and the question is why you know a lot of people are why and and uh there's a there's a great scene in the chosen me and Terry's talked about this about James wasn't it james the dis- disciple james little James there's big James and little James right so James, you know, there, there was something wrong with, and, and I, it's, I'm not saying it's biblical, I'm not saying it's in the Bible, but it, it, it goes along with kind of the, the way God deals with me anyway, is that James was going around and they were healing people. And James had, had this problem with his leg and he couldn't, he couldn't walk right. And they, he had this discussion with Jesus in the show, you know, why? And you remember that, Terry? What was he telling? him? But then the answer to that was what? He said everyone has a testimony. But he said, You're suddenly though your legs still messed up. You're still suddenly healing other people because it means more you know what you're having to put up with. In other words, you're with a lot lobby and still having the faith in God and continue to lead the way you're doing But it all had it all goes back to faith. It all it all does. And then and then two I know this is kind of the mind of Christ when you think about this because the Apostle Paul has a thorn in the flesh and he, and he prays to, for God to remove this thorn in the flesh. And Michael, Peppers, what does he say? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So... There's two problems with this view and faith in relation to prayer. We we won't read all this. You can go home and read it. I'm I'm not going to have enough time to read this. But first, it puts the power of answered prayer in the hands of the one praying. And conversely, it places blame for unanswered prayer on the one who prays without sufficient faith. In the end, this view establishes human faith as something God is expected to bow to. In fact, carried out, to its logical end, it places God at the disposal or in the service of one doing the praying. And how does, this, how does it do this? By making faith a tool to gain, all, or to gain answers to prayer rather than looking to God's love and grace as to the means of the answer prayer. I guess I will read all that. Um, I, I got started and I thought it was good, so we'll just read it. Second, it too easily leads the selfishness in prayer or leads to selfishness in prayer, whereby we use God and prayer to achieve our personal interests and selfish desires. We see this happening among the name it and claim it. I brought that up earlier. Folks who too often cross the line of good praying to use faith as a tool to get what they think, or what they think they need, be it power, money, health, or fame. Scriptures against treating faith as a tool when it comes to prayer, in, in relation to prayer, faith is to be a mindset. Now, what? Now, here, here we go, because this is this is more along the lines of what true faith, true biblical faith is. It's it's a mindset. It's a it's a. I almost wanted to put lifestyle, but I titled you know when when I changed the title or sent to Kyle the title, I said living by faith. That, that's what it is. What's the song, Living by Faith? I wanted to sing that, but I won't. <coughs> uh, in its pure form, a mindset is a fixed or settled attitude or disposition which determines our approach to our dealings with and our interpretation or understanding of something. Or in other words, here, a disposition is something that you no longer have to think about because it's held as an absolute, or as an accepted truth to be relied on. This mindset becomes your life. This mindset becomes uh, the the best. I mean, the best way for me for me to um, I guess the best way for me to explain this. Is to, is to use an illustration probably that I've already used. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. And what, remember what they said when they were going to throw them into the fire? They, they said, well, look, we, we don't know if God will save us. You know, we don't, we don't know this. But they said, understand this, we will not bow down. They said, they, we may die because of this. We may not. But we won't bow down because that faith, God answered, I'm sure they prayed <laughs> over this, but God answered this by saving them. But this is, this is a lifestyle of faith when you have this mindset. Faith then becomes the mindset with which we approach God in prayer and understanding or understand God's dealings with us in relation to prayer. In other words, faith is not a tool to be wielded as prayer or in prayer as if it gets us some sort of power to control the outcome of our prayers. Faith is a mindset, and as a mindset, faith is the state of mind in which we come to God in prayer. Such mindset creates a state of mind where our prayers most often or nearly line up with, number one, God's character, and number two, His goals, and number three, His methods for achieving His goals. (laughs) It's about God's goals. It's about God having the truck picked out for you, Terry. It's not about what you want. So, Faith is a mindset of understanding that and knowing that and accepting that and waking up every morning and praying, God, today is your day. Today, I want you to align me with what you're doing. God, I know that you want me to be a witness. Put somebody in my life today that I can witness to. God, you want me to serve people. Put somebody in my, put somebody in my in my vision, in, in my life today, that I can serve them if I have the ability to be able to do that. This is what we do. This is who we are, should be who we are as a Christian, as, as a disciple of Christ. But we have to understand that it's about God's character. It's about His goals. And it's about His methods of achieving His goals. Because there's a lot of time. That my methods, I would choose something different because I don't have God's mind, and He's dealing in a whole different level than I am, uh, and He's dealing a whole different level than you are. So, is it is it wrong for us to is it wrong for us to quit? Is it wrong for us to be able to to go and, and is it wrong for us to keep praying after we prayed and we we're not healed, Brother Sammy? Is it wrong? I mean. We're told to keep bringing that request, keep bringing that request, but then in the end, we're told also that his goals are above our goals. You're just depending on the sovereignty. You're, you're, you're acknowledging his sovereignty that he does have power. And control it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all over again. Every time. We don't know that he will, but we know that he can. It's it's that. And not only knowing that, but at the at the end of the day, when you lay down and go to sleep at night, you lay down and go, I'm fine with whatever God did today. <laughs> I did everything I could do. And if it meant that I didn't get that job, if it meant that I didn't get that sale, I've been trying to get this trying to get this guy that's got a whole bunch of whole bunch of properties that i need to be selling him some pool furniture at, and i've been I've been on him been on him been on him he won't call me back now and i, I don't know where he is so I, i've done everything that I, I know to do as a salesperson to be able to make that happen and i lay down at night and go well i'm fine with it if god wants that to happen i've prayed god help me in my job Help, me, help make me successful. And He'll make me successful if He wants me to be successful. And if He doesn't want me to be successful in, a, in doing anything today, I just won't do anything. And tonight, when I go to bed, I'm going to be happy with <laughs> not doing anything today. It, it's, to me, it's that. But there's nothing wrong with going and praying about this. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 26, <laughs> look at this. Consider Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, I mean, you, you know, Jesus prayed for this to pass from him. But did you know that he prayed three times for it to happen? Look at this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here for a while, and, and, and while I go over there and pray, taking along Peter and, and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake uh, with me. Going a little farther, he fell fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Look at the last part of that verse. You see, because this is where, this is where it makes it, did Jesus know that he could cause this cup to pass from him? Absolutely, but it was Jesus that said, "Not, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will, be done." Verse forty. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. (laughs) Sounds like a bunch of deacons, don't it? But then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, "So couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour?" Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink from it, your will be done. And he came again. And he found them sleeping because they could, not, uh, they could not keep their eyes I've been there, keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and, and prayed for a third time, saying the same thing once more. And then he came to the disciples again, and guess what? Are you still sleeping? Say <laughs> the time is near, The Son of Man is betrayed into the center, into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go, See, my betrayer is near. So Jesus prayed three times. Let's look on, move, move on down. You can read some of this, but I do move on down to that uh, one, two, three, four, five, fifth point there where it says, We've discovered two important things. First, Jesus is the one who teaches us about faith and prayer. Nowhere else in Scripture do we find such clear teaching about faith and prayer as we find it in the words of Christ. And then, second, Christ's teachings imply that faith is not a tool to be wielded in, the, in prayer. As if by faith, we can control the outcome of our prayers. In the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, Jesus presents three seemingly distinct approaches to prayer and an overriding principle governing all prayer. First, Jesus presents the connection between faith and prayer with the implication that this approach to prayer fits into a specific context. Second, Jesus presents the connection between persistence and prayer. You see, we've been talking about this persistence in prayer. There's a, there's a connection between faith and prayer. And then third, Jesus teaches connection between God's will and prayer. First John verse five or chapter five, verse fourteen says, This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to to his will, he hears us. The opposite of this governing principle is found in, in a, a prayer is found in James four three, which says, "You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures." Ford Raptor, <laughs> y'all get that? Just like faith and persistence, which are mindsets taken into prayer, submission. To the will of God is a mindset governing prayer. To summarize, Jesus teaches that we need to exercise faith in prayer, we need to exercise persistence in prayer, and we need to exercise submission to the will of God. Faith, persistence, and submission to the will of God are mindsets which influence our praying and set boundaries for our prayers.